0: I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go. Sunday is my fun day, especially when I get to record a new Scoop podcast. Always appreciate you listening when you have myriad options. This is Scoop Podcast episode... 353 On this Sunday, the 6th of June, the year is 2021. Like always, I'll empty out my figurative notebook, then we'll get to a handful of conversations. Let me begin in no particular order, but let me begin with the Vikings. Pertinent to today, Julio Jones is now a Tennessee Titan. I'm getting questions in my social media feeds. Hey, were the Vikings in on Julio Jones? Short answer, no. The Vikings were not engaged with Atlanta in Julio Jones trade talks. The Vikings did wrap up a free agent deal on Friday with free agent cornerback Bashad Breland. So here's how that worked. He was in for a visit like two weeks ago. They made him an offer for the minimum. He declined. He waited a little bit. It worked out. The Vikings went higher. He can earn upwards of $4 million. He's played in the slot before, but really plays more so outside. It will be very interesting to see how the Vikings end up using Breland, but the Vikings add yet another cornerback. It remains interesting to see what will shake out with Jeff Gladney, second-year Vikings cornerback. He put some interesting stuff on his Instagram stories feed over the weekend. Quote, the actual truth will never be out there. He also deleted a post that many people were able to screen grab before he hit the delete button about this particular girl ruining his life because he won't be with her. We are still awaiting word from the Dallas District Attorney's Office. Will they press charges? Will they not press charges on the allegations made by the woman? Regardless, Gladney is facing an NFL suspension. Even if charges are not brought about, Gladney is facing a suspension. I can put it this way. The Vikings are bracing that Gladney is going to end up having to serve some sort of suspension. So adding yet another cornerback makes sense from that standpoint. We are about a week away, eight days away, nine days away from finding out if Daniil Hunter will be at the Vikings mandatory minicamp. Mandatory minicamp at TCO Performance Center is June 15th to 17th. I continue to hear that Daniil is not a me, me, me guy. He's not a spotlight guy. If he's not at the mandatory mini camp, the spotlight will be squarely on him. I can't tell you with 100% certainty right here on Sunday, June 6th, if Daniil Hunter will be there or won't be there. I can tell you, I feel confident saying what I've been saying for weeks that he is looking for more money. Is this being driven by him, more so his representation? Certainly his representation has a big stake in this. So don't dismiss that side of things. Maybe eventually Daniel will talk. I'm told he remains in phenomenal shape. He's been training at Exos in Arizona. I don't think the Vikings ever need to worry about Daniil Hunter being in phenomenal shape. So we will find out soon enough. But the headline is, he is looking for more money. Can the Vikings get to Joey Bosa territory? That is unlikely. So where will they meet? I'm more fascinated to see where they end up? The Vikings have a history of taking care of their own. I think they eventually take care of Daniel. So what will that contract look like? I am more fascinated by that. Brian O'Neill talked to us a few days ago. He made it clear he wants to be here long-term. Contract talks on an extension will pick up soon. O'Neill, his representation, and Rob Brzezinski of the Vikings. Same goes. For Harrison Smith, plus the Vikings are working on still some of these rookie deals. Like, Kellen Mond has not signed his rookie deal yet. Just some language issues. I presume that they will be able to overcome those issues in due time. On the Wolves, it's a reminder as, you know, like Orlando and Steve Clifford part ways. Portland and Terry Stotts part ways. Indiana is contemplating parting ways with their coach that Chris Finch would have likely gotten one of these jobs. The rumor for a while had been that if Sacramento let go Luke Walton, and they likely would have if Chris Finch was available, that Chris Finch was going to get the Sacramento Kings job. So months later, connecting all these logical dots, we knew years ago how Gerson Rosas' guy was Chris Finch, but making the move when they did, it's starting to make more sense right now, seeing all the openings out there. The Wolves do have representation. At the prestigious Pangos Camp out in California, a chance to look at some draft eligible guys for a few years from now, not 2021 draft eligible guys, but high school seniors, some other high school players, you know, looking beyond the 2021 draft. Just about every NBA team has representation there. Had a good NBA source ask me, not say, hey, you know, this guy is in the mix to join Chris Finch's staff. We know that Chris Finch has a couple openings on his staff, David Vanterpool gone. And Brian Gates gone, but Micah Nori. He most recently was on Dwayne Casey's staff with the Pistons, worked with Chris in Denver. I'm told Micah and Chris are incredibly close. So that would be one of a few names to keep an eye on to join Chris Finch's staff. Micah Nori. On the twins, Byron Buxton is about ready to head out on a rehab assignment this week. Will it be the St. Paul Saints? That would make the most sense, but could it be somewhere else? I guess possible. If all goes well, Buxton could be back in the Twins lineup as soon as next weekend, that series against the Astros. Point is, he is not far away. He's been out since, what, the second week of May with that hamstring injury, but thankfully, he is close. I saw the Detroit Tigers DFA'd Jacoby Jones, 29-year-old outfielder, but hey, the Twins could use an outfielder or two. I can tell you, I don't know if the Twins are going to pursue Jones right this second. But I can tell you, going back a few years, he's a name, put it this way, he has fans in the Twins' front office. So keep an eye on that name as the Tigers just DFA'd him, Jacoby Jones. I saw that Griffin Jacks got called up by the Twins. I mean, it's been a revolving door, the Twins' roster. I mean, they end up losing Dakota Chalmers over the weekend. The Cubs put a claim in on him. They lost Travis Blankenhorn. A few weeks ago, that's what happens with all these injuries. Like, I heard recently the Mets have lost, like, four or five guys that they DFA'd. So other teams are losing guys, but it's unfortunate when the Twins lose guys that I know they like. Like, they like Blankenhorn. They like Chalmers. The hope was they wouldn't lose those guys, but they did. But I saw that another draft pick, a 2016 draft pick, a pitcher, Griffin Jacks. Good story. He is now up with the Twins. So the Twins picked him in the 90s. It was, like, pick 93. In the 2016 draft. Why I bring that up. There's a good pitcher that went 18 picks later. To the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns. Now I get it. You know close only counts what in hand grenades and horseshoes. I get it. But the Twins came close. Instead of taking jacks. They came close to pulling the trigger. On Corbin Burns. Back in that 2016 draft. Gophers men's basketball. Guys are moving in today. Workouts ramp up. Next week, so you think about, you know, the EJ Stevens of the world and the Jamison Battles, all these new guys, right? They are moving in today and over the next couple days. Workouts will ramp up a week from tomorrow, Monday, June 14th. The Gophers will continue to bring some recruits onto campus early this week. Tomorrow, Monday, a Johnny Lee Byron High School. He has an offer from Kansas. The Gophers want him badly. Big time recruit in the 2022 class he will be on campus visiting with ben johnson and staff on monday cam heidi wyzetta high school top 100 player in the country in the class of 2022 just led wyzetta to a state championship cam heidi will be on campus visiting with the gopher staff on tuesday on the wild it was nice to be at an in-person news conference on thursday i was over at the wild's offices in st paul on thursday A season-ending wrap-up news conference with GM Bill Guerin with Coach Dean Evison. One thing Bill said that I take him at face value on is the guys that have no move clauses: Zuccarello, Parisi, Suter. There's a few guys that have no move clauses. Bill said he doesn't foresee a scenario where he will ask those guys to waive their no move clauses for sake of protecting an extra player for the Seattle expansion draft. Not that those guys would waive. Their no-move clauses, even if it would be an incredible long shot, like let's say Ryan Souter, for example. If he waives his no-move clause, he is then eligible to be taken by Seattle, even if it's a 2% chance. Ryan doesn't want that to happen. He sees himself finishing his career here. Then he is so close with owner Craig Leopold, likely eventually transitioning to some sort of role in the front office. Maybe it's a Mike Medano-type role. Maybe it's a different type of ambassador role. Maybe it's actually having input in roster decisions, you know, assistant GM, something like that. But Ryan Souter, even if it's a 2% chance, is not waiving his no move clause, you know, for, for sake of, you know, uh, helping Bill as much as he'd like to help the team. If there's a chance he ends up in Seattle, he's not doing it. But regardless, Bill Guerin said, and I'm telling you, I take him at face value. I think he's telling us the truth. He is not going to go to those guys to ask them to waive their no move clauses and did not ask them. It did not come up in exit interviews nice to see first round pick from this year marco rossi back on the ice pictures all over his social media channels nice to see him back on the ice after his battle with it's that heart condition related to COVID. incredibly scary alex stalock dealt with it other athletes have dealt with it myocarditis i think i'm saying that right if i'm botching the pronunciation i sincerely apologize that's top of my head myocarditis i believe is proper pronunciation, though. It's a heart condition. Anyway, Marco Rossi now cleared to skate. He is a phenomenal prospect. But if your expectation is he is going to be on the Wilds' opening night roster in October, temper those expectations. He likely is going to need some time in Iowa. All right, let's now get to some interviews. Four interviews, three basketball, one baseball. I tried, by the way, on baseball. I planted seeds trying to get Derek Falvey, or Thad Levine, or assistant GM Jeremy Zoll for an interview the last few days. Crickets, they are being very selective when they talk. They are going to be ready to strike. Like, I would strike now. Like, Tampa has had interest in Nelson Cruz for a while. They had some dialogue with Nelson Cruz's agent back in the winter. Tampa badly needs a DH. Like, the Twins should be aggressive on that front. The Twins are taking messages, taking phone calls, but maybe it's time for the Twins to be aggressive In terms of selling guys, maybe they need to eat some salary to get back a pretty good prospect, but do it. That is more my opinion. That's not fact. Fact is, the Rays really like Nelson Cruz. They've liked him for a while, but I'm sure there are other teams that like Cruz. My opinion is it's time for Falvey and Levine to be uber-aggressive, start selling off guys. It's just one of those weird years. Horrible bullpen, bad starting pitching. I do believe in the offense when pretty much fully healthy, but the offense isn't going to be good enough to carry them at a 750 or 700 winning percentage clip the rest of the way. Like, it's just not realistic. Major League Baseball history suggests when you're in this position in early June, you don't make the playoffs. If you've dug this sort of hole seven, eight, nine weeks into the season, you just don't rebound. So I would play the percentages. I would sell. But those guys will be selective when they do interviews. I have no doubt that at some point I'll track down one, if not multiple, of those guys, Zole, Levine, Falvey, for some trade dialogue. So hopefully that will happen soon. But I just wanted to let you know that I tried for this particular podcast and crickets, 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 crickets. I get it. They probably don't want to do a whole lot of interviews right this second. One guy that did want to do an interview is Kerwin Walton, Jr., Hopkins High School alum just finished a really good freshman year for the University of North Carolina. Got to play one year for the legendary, the Hall of Famer, Roy Williams, and now transitioned to playing under Hubert Davis. Kerwin Walton Jr. is now back in Chapel Hill getting ready for summer workouts with his Tar Heel teammates, but he was back in town recently. I caught up with Kerwin when he was in town at Drive Basketball in Edina. Here is my conversation wrapping up his freshman year, looking ahead to a sophomore year with Kerwin Walton Jr. of North Carolina. Kerwin, how much does the cliche hold true that time flies? I feel like we were very much in this very spot. Not that long ago, we were talking about, hey, you looking forward to your freshman year. Snap of the fingers, your freshman year at UNC is now complete.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been exciting, for sure, because it's a whole new experience. I get to meet a whole new team, whole new coach, staff, and just play a whole new different game. And I think it's really been exciting for me just to be able to experience all that. You know, in spite of, like, the COVID and all the other crazy things that's been happening lately, I think it's just been really exciting for me. It was a hard decision. It was not an easy decision for you to choose North Carolina. But
0: looking back at your decision, everything you experienced the past year, just affirm your decision that you
1: know you made the right decision. Oh, for sure. Because, I mean, I haven't been this excited playing basketball at this level in a long time. And I think that all the teammates and all my coaches support me very much. And I think that I have a real chance of becoming a great player. And I think this decision, my decision has really helped me. And I think I I wouldn't regret it. I don't regret it at all. It seems that just looking at the box scores, watching some of your games, that you got better as the year went on. As you look back at your season, would you agree with that assessment? For sure, because that's my main goal, really, was just to get better and better every single day, throughout every single game, every single practice. That was my main goal. It wasn't really to do any other individual accolades or anything like that. It was really just striving to get better every single day. And my coaches realized that and they helped me. And my teammates helped me a lot with that too.
0: What are some keys now Is you're in the gym here, you're a gym rat, you're in the gym seven, eight hours a day, here in the offseason,
1: as you look ahead to next year, what are some keys here this offseason? I think it's for sure just um, working on a lot of different things, you know, sharpening my shooting and keep on uh, working on being able to be a great defender and ball handling, those type of things, and just um, making sure I help get my teammates better as well. And I think that's going to be a real big key for us, for all of us in the offseason. Just uh, everyone making each other better, and being able to work on our game individually, and be able to work hard every single day in the gym. I think that's just one of our biggest things uh, in order to help us all improve. What surprised you about your first year of playing college basketball? Um, so what surprised me, I think, what surprised me the most was the amount of detail and like tenacity, because um, there's a lot more, like it's more, a lot more in depth in terms in practices in terms of different things like different concepts and uh, like on defense and on offense, it's a little bit more elaborate. The game is more fast paced than it was in high school. I think that's a, also another big thing. I think those are some some of the biggest things that I've noticed at least. How cool is it just playing for a Blue Blood, a legendary program like North Carolina? I mean, it's great, you know, just being able to wear that on your jersey. Does it wear North Carolina on your jersey? I know all the greats that came through there, like, and I mean, it's just, especially when they come back and you know, to get to see them and play against them in open runs, I mean, it's great. I, I think it's a really good experience and I'm just blessed to have it. Speaking of being blessed, to get to play for Roy Williams for the one year? Do you feel blessed that you had that opportunity? Oh, yeah, for sure, because I loved him. He was a he was a really good coach, really good guy, too. And he's, he always told me a whole bunch of different stories of like Michael Jordan, like Larry Bird and just some other guys, um, especially like Tyler Hansborough. He probably loved him the most talking about Tyler Hansborough. Um, and I think the him just being around, I got to be around before his um, retirement. I think I'm really lucky. I actually really, I really enjoyed him for sure. And now with Hubert taking over, best case scenario. For me, yeah, because I just I just love him. He's just a really good guy. Um, the one year I got to uh, be with him as an, when he was an assistant coach, uh, I think it was it was amazing because he was really uplifting. He's really encouraging. Um, he's really all for me and my success. And I think he's also got the same model, just getting better every day. And that's probably the main thing I like about him, just how hard he worked when he was a player and how hard he's going to be working as a coach and how hard he worked as an assistant coach. I think those are the things I like about him the most, just like, you know, he has the same drive as me. And I think that we, as, together, we, you know, we both can get better.
0: Was there some uneasiness? So when Roy announces his retirement, were you thinking, whoa, I don't
1: know who the next coach is going to be? I don't know what my future holds. Yeah, it was. I didn't know what was going to happen. To be honest, I mean, him retiring in the first place was it was super surprising. I didn't. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Not even the players or the coaches. Um, but yeah, I didn't really know who was going to be the next coach. You know, I was uh, hearing talks from um, some of the coaching staff that I think the Coach Davis might be the next coach. And I think you know, I thought that, I always thought that would have been a great idea, considering how long he's been under Coach Williams and you know all the experience he has and his charisma. I think. I, I thought he was a great choice, and I think that he's going to be a great coach. And just everything you've experienced so far, so I mean, right now you guys are doing a
0: bunch of Zoom meetings, what have you, but everything you've seen so far with Coach Davis, I mean, speaks to what you just said, that you know he's going to be a successful coach.
1: Yeah, for sure. Just because I know the kind of guy he is, um, even with my somewhat short of a time meeting knowing him, I think he's, I just know he's going to be a great coach because I know what he's all about. You know, he's he has a super deep tie with Carolina, and he's, um, he's part of the family. And he's been around for a very long time. And he's played in the NBA. He knows the in and outs of the game. And I'm, I trust him and I believe in him. How much fun was it playing in the NCAA tournament? I mean, it was great. It was, it was really cool. I think it was just the fact that, you know, I watched it so much on TV in the past couple of years. And um, I was always, it was always crazy. You know, there's always going to be something exciting happening and something crazy happening. And I think just being a part of that was just like kind of surreal. And it was just like, it was kind of breathtaking, kind of. And it was just, it was super exciting. But you lose to Wisconsin, I mean, they got you pretty good with Davison and Reavers
0: and Wall, I mean, so the Minnesota guys got you there in that first round.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, kind, of, it was kind of tough, you know, especially with how experienced they are and they got a bunch of uh, older guys and very disciplined and, we, had, we, and we have a bunch of younger guys and uh, freshmen, but, you know, they kind of beat us and came up on top. Um, I guess we just weren't like ready for that, their, their veteran play and we just gonna have to come back next year a lot stronger.
0: How much are you just looking forward to next year, the return of some sense of normalcy like playing in front of a packed arena, being able to
1: go to classes in person, just the last year has just been so weird. Yeah, Yeah, it's been crazy. I think I think it's going to be great because that's kind of like the main thing I was excited about just playing a bunch of like thousands and thousands of fans and being able to see everyone in the stands, you know, screaming and yelling even for opposing teams. I think that's that kind of gets me going a little bit. And I think that's going to be the most exciting part about playing for Carolina you know people a lot of people are going to be with you and a lot of people are going to be against you and it's going to be and regardless it's going to be exciting because you know it's going to be a huge atmosphere and it's, and it's just going to be a lot of people watching and it's, it's going to be very it's going to give me a lot of energy was it an easy decision to come back for a second year that, that you certainly have the
0: potential to play and make money at some point whether it's nba you know starting the g league or going overseas wherever like you're good enough to make money but did you feel like for the development of your game that you need a second year of college? Yeah, because I think, I think it's
1: best for me. And I think that if I keep continuing to get better, then I think my, um, I'll be more successful in the long run. And I'm more concerned about just how my overall game is improving rather than, you know, I don't really, I don't really look too much into the draft or like any other outside noise. And I never really thought about transferring because I never really wanted to do that. That didn't seem like, like it was going to be not, not only was it not going to be fun, but I don't think it was going to be great for me. And I already liked my teammates and all the coaches there, so I didn't see anything wrong with where I was already at. So I'm just going to stay and try to be the best I can be.
0: On the transferring, did you hear chatter, though, outside noise, people saying, hey, Ben Johnson got the Gopher job. You should come home and play for Minnesota.
1: Yeah, a little bit, but, you know, I kind of tuned it out a little bit just because um, I didn't think it was going to be like that much of a game changer. You know, I don't really know the guy that much, to be honest. And, you know, I know they're still building some pieces over there, and I know they're going to be a good team. But I think you know, my place is in North Carolina. And, I mean, you feel like you guys have enough talent coming back that, that you can
0: make another run, maybe even instead of being an eight or a nine seed, you guys can be a much higher seed in the NCAA tournament? Oh, yeah, tournament? for sure.
1: For sure. Because we underperformed, in my opinion. We didn't do as good as I know we could have done, and everyone else would agree with that. And I think that, you know, as talented as our team is, you know, we just got to fix a couple of things, like, you know, turnovers or just um, being able to execute things the right way. I think it's just small things like that. And once we clean them up, you know, especially since we all got some experience now in the NCAA tournament and ACC tournament, I think we're going to be good because we're going to be a lot more experienced, a lot more tough, and we're going to be a lot more smarter. So I think we're going to be a great team. Your three point shot is always elite. You're a plus defender. Is the next step
0: maybe to show some of the scouts that, hey, you can put the ball on the floor, you can drive it to the hoop, you can score
1: that way too? Oh, yeah, for sure, because I plan on just um, being able to come out my shell a little bit more in the game and just showing what I could do. I think that it's going to be a lot different than last year, you know, because last year I probably shot a lot more threes than anything else. But really, I'm going to be focused on just um, putting the ball in the basket and scoring without losing sight of who I am. So I'm going to continue to shoot and make shots, and that's all I'm going to be focused on.
0: Kind of thing, Jeff. You're kind of talking uh, just briefly about, you know, some of the the legendary guys who come up in for open runs and whatnot. Obviously, when you say Carolina, you know, a lot of names will roll off your tongue, whether it's James Worthy or Michael or whoever. How much are you trying to set your own legacy? So when they mention guys like that, that you're in that conversation too.
1: I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely going to be something really exciting and crazy. Um, you know, seeing like I think the best thing to see is you know jer- your jersey in the Raptors. I think that'll be super cool and you know that's kind of like you know being legendary kind of that's kind of like the thing I kind of saw like people like Devin Booker and Kobe Bryant talk about just um, leaving your mark and you know leaving a your great legacy. I think those kind of things are definitely what what it means to be great. I think that's what greatness comes from is being able to inspire others and leave a mark. How much have you worked on your body I mean just even getting in with the college strength staff down there I mean have you seen like noticeable differences in your body? Yeah, I definitely kind of feel a lot more stronger. Um, I definitely uh, feel like I can jump a little bit more. Um, I think it's just it's going to be really important for me just because every, if the game is really physical, you're going to be playing against the guys who are a lot more taller and stronger than you. So I think um, for me, strength was definitely one of my priorities. And I think it's definitely um, coming along, especially for next year.
0: Kerwin was North Carolina's best three-point shooter last year. He is going to play big-time minutes. As a sophomore, I still would bet on him long-term. He is a player that can make money playing. Whether that's the NBA, a lot will, you know, have to be dictated based on, you know, how the next couple of years go or his sophomore year. But Colonel Walton Jr., no doubt in my mind, will be able to make money playing basketball somewhere. Let's continue the basketball dialogue. Brayden Carrington, Park Center High School Just wrapped up his junior year in high school, class of 2022. He is among the star-studded 2022 recruiting class here in Minnesota. He is a big-time target for Ben Johnson. Like, I would rank. Now, you know what? There's not much separation. But clearly, it's Damarian Watson of Totino Grace, Cam Heidi of Wyzetta, who will be on campus on Tuesday, certainly Trey Holloman, who just got done over the weekend with his official visit to Michigan State. For Trey Holloman, it'll be either Michigan State or Minnesota. But certainly Braden Carrington. Ben Johnson has a lot of scholarships to play with for next year. Braden Carrington is a big-time want. Ben Johnson wants Braden Carrington really, really badly. Carrington and his mom were on campus for an unofficial visit a few days ago. The next day, I caught up with Carrington. Here's my conversation with Gophers Target Park Center guard Braden Carrington. Braden, now that the calendar is flipped to June,
2: just how crazy, how busy is this month for you when it comes to recruiting? Uh, yeah, you know, I've got a bunch of uh, schools starting to talk to me more, you know. I talk to Florida a lot more. Um, obviously, I took my visit to Minnesota yesterday, and I'm planning a couple more visits this month. Um, and then there's also a couple camps that I go to. Um, so it's a pretty busy month. I don't really get downtime. I'm either travelling for a camp or maybe going on a state for a visit. So I mean, you know, it's fun though, you know, get to get new experiences.
0: Fun, but is is it also a little bit hectic or is it all about just enjoying this process?
2: Um, yeah, it's definitely hectic. You know, you got you got a lot to think about. You got different coaches you gotta talk to, you know. You just gotta Honestly, I just keep my mind on the basketball. The the part I like the best, you know. So when I'm in the gym, you know, just focus on that. At camps, just going out, playing, playing my game. You know, I'm not worrying too much about the recruitment. Just, you know, if the coaches like you, they like you. So that's all you got to worry about. When
0: you say play your game, what does that exactly entail?
2: You know, when I'm at camps, I don't, I don't want to go there and try to like. Change my game to fit with a, a team. I just want to go out there and you know, show what I can do. You know, obviously, you know, you don't want to be a complete ball hog or something like that. But you know, obviously, I'm gonna keep playing my game and shoot the ball. You know, do what I do best AAU in AAU and high school ball. On the camps you're going to, what what specifically are you where are you going? Um, right now I'm only doing the NBCA camp. At the end of the month, I. I think it's the 18th and 19th at Eastridge. So that should be pretty fun. And then actually uh, a couple of us are going out to California for a trip and there should be like a high school camp or something out there I believe we'll be doing so. And then July,
0: is July still an AAU month where where you'll play with your AAU team?
2: Yeah, July is a live period. So that's when we start the uh, Under Armour circuit. So we'll go, we'll be in, that month we'll be in Dallas, Atlanta and Indianapolis, and then at the end, we also go to Vegas.
0: Does that month also take on extra meaning with with college coaches being able to be in the gym for the first time in a long time?
2: Yeah, it's definitely a a really important month because for me, I don't know if there's actually been a time where I've had coaches in the gym watching. Maybe a little bit I think uh, the summer going to sophomore year, but other other than that, I don't think I've really uh, had any coaches in the gym, so it'll definitely be it definitely be a different experience, and, and it, it'll be fun. I mean, is there a sense that with more coaches being
0: able to watch you, coaches in general, but more and more, that more offers may be coming in that, that even if you're in the mindset of wanting to make a decision here before the calendar year is over, maybe that's November or December, that you may get some new offers that come in?
2: Yeah, for me, I feel like I have a bunch of interests. I'll be talking to a lot of coaches. And I just feel like I haven't got the offers from yet because you know they haven't seen me play in person. I feel like that's really what holds them back from offering me, because you know Minnesota, Seton Hall, they haven't they haven't really seen me play in person, but they just went off of what they've seen in video. But all these other colleges, they want to see what I can do in person, live. So I I assume once they see it in the live periods, I, I'll start picking up a lot a lot more offers. Take us
0: through the Gophers visit. How did it go?
2: You know, it was, it, I enjoyed it a lot. You know, I got to meet uh, all the coaches for the first time in person. Um, you know, they were very energetic, fun. You know, the the visit was nice. I like. I really like the campus. How it's all or like the athletes' village. How it's all close together. You know, the living area is about a block and a half away, maybe closer than that. You know, it's just it's a it's a nice area. You know, Dinky Town. You know, close there. So, and it's close to home. So you know, you really. I really liked it, you know, it's definitely going to be a, a decision to make, and it's going to be in my final five, whatever, two, whatever it would be in in the upcoming year, so.
0: How strong is the bond between you and new coach Ben Johnson?
2: Um, it's actually very strong, you know, he's, ever since he got the head coaching job, probably a day or two after he, he texted me or called me one or two, you know, and he's, ever since then, he just started talking to me at least once. One, or sorry three to four times a week you know text or call sometimes he'll facetime me so you know it's very strong you know he really makes sure that i know uh they he wants me there he really wants me to play there so and then you got coach thorson who also takes me very heavily and calls me sometimes so i mean they're just really engaged when when they're trying while they're trying to recruit me and you, you have, have a my... sense of the offense that ben wants to run how you
0: could Fit in. I mean, he has a first time head coach, so there is some mystery there, but is he doing a good job selling you on his vision, how he wants to play and how you would fit into that?
2: I mean, yeah, you know, he says he likes shooters, you know, that's so that's what I am, you know, so I mean, it's going to be interesting, you know, I really, really want to watch them play this year, see how they, their play style is, you know, especially, it's also a big decision because, you know, they have five, about five people staying next year, so especially going in, you know, I want to see how they play. And if they play how I want, you know, that it definitely could be a choice for them. So we'll see.
0: On that then, so, you know, they really won't ramp it up until November games wise. So is your timeline sometime thereafter, or, you know, could it even extend into January, February, maybe after the high school season into like, you know, March of 2022?
2: yeah honestly it's it's just whatever i feel is best if if i need to wait longer then i'll wait till after the high school season because honestly i prefer to do it either before the season or after not because i wouldn't want to do all that during the middle of the season so you know
0: what sort of influence has coach ware had on on you know your thought-making process, just with with his college you know recruiting background and just all his experience. I mean, it's all-encompassing, right? I have to imagine he's one heck of a resource.
2: Yeah, so you know he knows a bunch of coaches. You know, a lot of the coaches I talk to, he knows. So you know, he always give me like advice or something. You know, he, like he knows the coaches well. So he will always tell me something about them, and he'll tell me if they're a, a person I'd like to talk to. You know, because me, I'm a kind of shy guy, so. Sometimes talking to people isn't that easy for me. So really he lets me know that person is like an easy guy to talk to or, you know, something like that, you know, cause Ben, he's he's pretty easy to talk to. He's really, I'm really, I can open to him, you know, text him whenever I need to. So it's nice, you know, Coach where really, and with all his knowledge about um, college, you know, he definitely helps me with uh, the, in the gym as well. So, you know, I he him he got, um, my he he helped me with my shot, you know, a little bit during the summer. You know, he always helped me work on mechanics.
0: You seem to be getting more comfortable in these settings, though. I mean, we did one of those long zoom chats. We're doing this chat. I mean, you seem to be
2: opening up a little bit more. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, you know, as as the uh, time goes on, you know, I just kind of get used to it. You know, it it just starts happening more and more. So it's like I just eventually I got to get used to it sometimes. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I mean, wherever you end up—Florida, Minnesota, wherever—you know, the media is going to want to talk to you. At some point, you know, if you have aspirations to, to be a professional, right? Heck, think about, you know, pre-draft, right? Like you'll be interviewing with teams, right? So you got to become comfortable in interview settings, right?
2: Yeah, you know, it's always always important to open up, you know, be comfortable with coaches, whoever, other players on a team. Because you know, if you don't have, if you can't, have, uh, good communication off the court. You know, sometimes you'll struggle on the court with communicating with other players, so it's always important. Who else is on your on your AAU team? Uh, there's Prince Alik Bay, Demario Watson, Chase Carter, um, Donovan Smith, Willie Wilson, Alonzo Dodd, um, Malcolm Jones, um, Aiden McDonald. So I mean, it's a it's a very uh, very good team. Um, it's a lot, you know, the first couple of weeks we had to get used to it because, you know, coming from our high schools, we are all the top dog, you know, we always, we all took all the shots did what, that we had to do, you know, then we, so now we have to learn how to, we have to learn how to play together again, you know, and fill our role onto the sizzle team. The reason I
0: bring that up is now Chase may end up playing football in college, but Prince Demarian, like, has there been any dialogue about, you know, two of you, three of you, maybe combining and being on the same college team?
2: I mean, there's always jokes about it, you know. We never really got into a serious conversation about it, but, you know, it's always possible. So it's never counted out yet. So, you know, it's really what's best for each player. If playing together at that school is best, and that's what we do. Like, I know Damarian's over on campus today. Like, it just it seems like
0: from afar, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like like Ben is making you and Damarian
2: big-time priorities. Yeah, that's what I've noticed, you know. Talking to Damarian, it seems like he's a pretty big priority, too, you know. I know for me, for sure, he just he's always talking about me. You know, when I go there, they say that all the coaches, that's all they hear Ben talk about the first day he got there, you know. He's like, he wants me, he wants me. So, you know, it's nice to know that, you know, he really wants me, you know, it's really a, it's a it's a very big decision, you know, and it kind of, when you hear that, you know, it kind of makes you want to lean towards the school because cause when you get there, then you kind of be, you'll be like the man, I guess, you
0: know? I mean, is there any temptation to commit earlier than later and kind of set the trend and, you know, then maybe you can then help, in this instance, Ben and Thor you know, maybe bring in some other guys to, to complete the 2022 recruiting class.
2: I mean, yeah, I've thought about it, but it, it'd be, I don't know if it would be the best idea for me, cause you know, I, I feel like I haven't got out there too much cause of COVID. So committing like right now or later in the summer, I feel like it'd be too early. But if that was the case, if I did end up, I feel like I could definitely help bringing a couple more players from the class from Minnesota. So yeah
0: and then visits wise i mean is there plans to get down to gainesville or like where else do you plan on even if it's an unofficial where else do you want to do you want to check out
2: um well this or this june i might go down to santa clara um i want to go uh, down to baylor and then florida that will probably happen sometime fall most of these visits probably be in fall before official, official visits and stuff like that um Maybe uh, Colorado, um, Purdue, a couple more schools, but those are some of the few. And then, so
0: who's offered and who's interested? Like, has Baylor offered yet? Has Colorado offered yet? Has Purdue
2: offered yet? No, those are all interests, but I've been talking to them a lot lately. So, you know, those are some of the teams, you know, I I feel like have to see me play in person to get an offer. But yeah, I got, Uh, a couple more uh, a bunch of more interests so we'll see what happens. What's interesting about Baylor is Jared Nunes
0: and Coach Ware are super super tight you know and you think about Kendall Brown going down there and you know going back I mean Dane danger right like
2: there is that Minnesota influence down there in Waco. Yeah it definitely helps you know Uh, actually Dane introduced me to Coach Nunez or not introduce me, but he kind of like told Coach Nunez, well, there's this guy at my high school, you know, he's a, he's a player, you should, you know, start checking him out. So, and then, you know, he texted me from there. So, I mean, yeah, it definitely helps um, having a couple Minnesota people, you know, that know you at a, a big college like that.
0: How has your game
2: evolved? Uh, you
0: know, the AAU, the, the games in April and May, and what do you want to work on in the month of July?
2: Um, from high school and, and AAU, it definitely changes a lot for me. You know, from high school, you go from, from the ball being in my hand about 90% of the game, you know, bringing the ball up, you know, taking a lot more shots to AAU where I'm playing off the ball more because we have guards, so I'm playing off the ball, taking shots off the ball, but not as much shots. Um, but I definitely want to work on my handle a little more, so, you know, during the season when high school starts, I'm, I'm ready to a point guard again and I my defense needs to get better you know just everything in my game honestly like i can improve on everything so and then just
0: summarizing so what time did you get over to campus yesterday like were you there for a few hours did, did you walk around campus or did you just spend time at the athletes village the the basketball facility just you know give us a little bit more on on the visit yesterday
2: yeah so i got there about i'd say five 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 third yeah five around five um, met with Thorson, um, jo- Ben Johnson, and then um, the other other two coaches. And then we kind of walked around the facility a little bit. You know, they showed me, like, where they eat. I couldn't go down to, like, the, the living area yet. They said, uh, if I come on official we'll do that. But they showed me where they eat, you know, their practice facility. We were in their office, their weight room, um, training, where all that. So, I mean, it was really just in the... The gym area, kind of athletes' village, yeah. So, did you get any shots up, or was it just all just you know, chatting and, and all that? No, the I got pictures though, so that's what it did, but no shots, just chatting in the pictures.
0: And were you over there solo, or did any family come with? Was anybody else over there?
2: Yeah, it was me and my mom. And was your mom impressed? Yeah, she liked it. She really likes uh, Coach Ben Johnson. Um, she really thinks she uh, or she thinks that. He like just like me, he's really engaging, you know, he's really trying to build a relationship with her and that that gets to me and I'm like, OK, he, he really wants because some some of the other coaches, they're not building a relationship like Ben is with my mom. So it's different. That's definitely a big factor because if, if if you're not building a relationship with my mom, it just shows me that it's like, I don't know if you really want me that bad. You know.
0: Make no mistake about this. Like, if my words got lost in translation in the intro, like, just know this. Braden Carrington is a big time want for Ben Johnson for the Gophers. Damarian Watson of Tutino Grace is a big time want. Trey Holloman, to some extent, yes. Like, of course, you'd take Trey Holloman. Top 100 player in the country in the class of 2022. Cam Heidi, a Johnny Lee, big time wants. A guy like Prince Allegbe, not as much. Prince has a lot of options. Prince is a phenomenal player. I love his future from Mini Academy, but the Gophers are prioritizing others above Bay, prioritizing others above Elvis Najee. The thing is, there are just so many players in the state in the class of 2022. Another one of those players is D.J. Jefferson. From Minnesota Prep Academy, which is based in St. Paul. So he's actually from the state of Texas, but he moved up here, played his junior year for Minnesota Prep Academy, played in the spring for Howard Pulley. He mentions in our interview that you'll hear here in a second that he'll play the month of July Peach Jam for a different AAU program. He's a six foot four wing. He was on campus, an unofficial visit with the Gophers a couple days ago. But the Gophers have not offered him yet. So they've seen a lot of video. They are fans. Clearly, you welcome a kid on campus. You like the kid. But they want to see him live. So basketball recruiting will pick up big time the month of July. Ben, his staff, will have a chance to watch DJ in person. If they like what they see, they like what they see on video. If what they see on video translates to in person, they will extend him an offer. Regardless, he has options. Memphis loves DJ. Arizona State loves DJ. Wichita State loves DJ, but it's entirely possible a few weeks from now the Gophers do offer DJ Jefferson. I was able to catch up with DJ via Zoom to recap his visit with the Gophers. Here's my conversation with DJ Jefferson. DJ, just how about in general, before we get to your Minnesota visit, some other specific schools interested in you. Just how important is this month with recruiting now opening up just so you can actually go on visits, even if they're unofficial visits, as opposed to doing, you know, conversations with coaches like this over Zoom? Uh, To me, I feel like it's really important. Um,
3: I feel like uh, that the college coaches can really get a chance to see um, who I really am, not uh, as a basketball player, but as a person. Um, I'm kind of glad they really are uh, reopening, like, colleges for us to go visit because, of, you know, the COVID situation. But, um, yeah, that's very – it's really important to me because, it, uh, you know, I get college to recruit me um, and see what my game is like. So, yeah, so it's important.
0: We'll talk about your game, DJ, but how about the person you are? I mean, what sort of person do you want to show these coaches that you are? Um, that I'm a leader on the court, um, vocal,
3: um, very versatile. And I'm an elite rebounder. Uh it's one of my main ones that I have for college coaches. So
0: yeah. I mean you have some two way ability, don't you? I mean, you do it all, right? I mean you score, you can certainly pass the ball, you rebound, you defend. I mean, is that a fair way to assess your game?
3: Uh yeah, for sure. Uh that's that's really all I have to do is go out there play solid defense and then on the offensive end, just go for what I know, let the gun let the game come to me, uh, get my teammates involved. You know, if I you know, end up getting hot, then I end up getting hot. But, getting hot. but, but yeah, that's my that's my uh, my playing style, two way player. So yeah.
0: Take us through how you ended up here in the Twin Cities, at Minnesota Prep Academy. How did you end up here from down south?
3: Um, it all started uh, August, I believe, just when I first um got a uh, got a taste of the grind session. Um, it was kind of rough for me a little bit, but I I started to get adjusted to it after like two three months. And then i just starting to get used to the routine that they have, you know, working up early in the morning, workouts, practices, schoolwork, uh, et cetera. So, so, yeah, I got really adjusted to it by the time I got
0: And now, I mean, you really enjoy it, and now you're playing for Howard Pulley. So the combination yeah. of, of being here and also playing for Poly, I mean, how well is it going? Um, it's going
3: pretty good. Um I think, believe, coming up July next month, I believe uh, that I'll join with um, the family in the Peace uh, Jam. Um, but the Howard Pullet situation right now, it's, got, it's going pretty good. Uh, great teammates, great coach. Um, yeah.
0: Take me through your, your Minnesota unofficial visit earlier this week.
3: Um, the visit was crazy. I, I kind of like the facility, uh, what they got, what the, the game style they have. Um, they do a lot of dribble handoffs, uh, high ball screens, flats. and It's kind of like the plan style they have exact, is exactly like the same as Minnesota Prep. So I feel like I really fit in with their playing style. Um, they got everything that's provided for me, um, tutors, um, managers for workouts. So it's a pretty, pretty good school. So, so,
0: yeah. How about specifically new coach Ben Johnson? What is your bond like with Ben Johnson?
3: Uh, ben Johnson he's a great dude. Um, he's uh, he really goes off of Phil. Um, uh, he uh, yeah, that's really the highlight of the he gave it. He gets, goes off the of fields and stuff.
0: Would you say that Minnesota uh, has has elevated on your list? I mean, a lot of schools want you, but after that visit, are they higher up on your list now?
3: Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I think they're higher up on my list. Yeah. yeah.
0: Who else is on your list? Um, Memphis,
3: uh, Oregon, maybe, uh, Wichita State, Um and those are my only choices for right now. I have more coming up soon.
0: Will you take some more visits later this month?
3: Uh, most definitely, yes, yes, yes. What schools will you be visiting? Memphis. Wichita State, um,
0: maybe ASU, um, yeah,
3: those, those, yeah,
0: those, Give me a little bit more on how you think you would fit because you laid out what Ben Johnson wants to do, but being a first-time head coach, we're still trying to figure out exactly the offense Ben's going to run, what he wants to do defensively. So what did he tell you about your specific fit on how he wants to play?
3: Um... Uh, this upcoming year, we'll, uh, we'll tell, we we'll can tell, we'll tell.
0: Do you have a timetable, DJ, on, on when you're going to make a decision? Like, would you like to make a decision, you know, before um, next season starts, November, December?
3: Uh, I believe I'll make my decision maybe coming up August, September, probably towards the beginning of uh, the grand session. That's when I'll make my decision so that way I can just focus on my senior year of basketball.
0: So, So, I mean, it's going to wrap up here pretty quick. I mean, just how excited are you to wrap up the process here in the next, you know, two to three months?
3: I'm really excited. I'm kind of nervous, but very excited.
0: And, I mean, just in in summary here, DJ, I mean, you know, just based on the team I cover, the Minnesota Gophers, I mean, you know, like how good of a chance do they have of landing you?
3: Oh, they have a really good chance. I feel like they'll really get a good player. Um, like I said, I got, you know, very versatile, elite rebounder. You know, I can get to the rack easily. I can get off my shot, pray for others. Um, yeah, so they're going to they're gonna get a great player. They offer you if I go there. They're gonna get a great
0: and so they haven't officially offered you yet? I mean, was there talk of them extending you an offer?
3: Yeah, they was talking about extending the offer. Yes, correct. So,
0: yeah, so, yeah they'll offer me some pretty soon. Are, are they also building relationship with – with your coach and, and with your family, how important is that?
3: They haven't, they haven't gotten in touch with my father yet, I believe, but they're gonna, they're definitely going to get in touch uh, as soon as possible. So. But, yeah, they, they have a really good uh, relationship. The head coach actually is a um, uh, family with my head coach for Minnesota Prep, so they really, like, you know, have a, like, strong
0: relationship, so, so, yeah. Anything else we should know, DJ, as we tell your story? Anything else you want people to know about you?
4: Uh
3: seeing you
0: Minnesota Prep Grand
3: Session. Just stay tuned.
0: I'll stay in touch, DJ, wishing you all the best, okay? Tell coach that I tell him thank you for setting this up, okay? Yes, sir. We'll be sure to continue to track DJ's happenings. I'll have to get over to a game, Minnesota Prep Academy game. I'll be frank. I wasn't even positive we had a Minnesota Prep Academy until a few weeks ago when I started to hear about DJ Jefferson, but if you go to YouTube, I get it. YouTube, everybody looks good on YouTube, right? Those are selected clips, but the kid can shoot it and he can penetrate it and he's left-handed. I have a bias. I'm left-handed myself. I have a bias toward anybody that is left-handed. So DJ Jefferson, certainly a name to watch when it comes to Gophers basketball recruiting. Let's now transition. It's a lengthy interview with John Anderson, Gophers baseball coach, For 40 years. The question is, will he be back for a 41st year? So here's a mini scoop. He has a multi year contract offer on the table. If John wants to put pen to paper, he can do that today and secure his future with the Gophers. Mark Coyle, the Gophers AD, has made John an offer. The issue is, you'll hear John say this in the interview there's some language hiccups within the contract that John has now sent the contract back to Coyle, hoping that Mark. We'll change the language in the contract. We should have some finality here in the coming days. Will John Anderson be back as Gophers baseball coach? He is operating as if he will be back. He's got a good recruiting class coming in. So we talked about that. We talked about his future. We talked about the disappointing 2021 season. Here's my conversation from the other day, a lengthy one, with Gophers baseball coach, John Anderson. John Anderson. John certainly last year was unique. I mean that goes without saying, but like on the uniqueness scale, where does this year rank? The Big Ten only schedule, the COVID shutdown, the record being what it was. Where does this particular year rank?
4: It's got to be one of the most difficult, I think, when you look at it from a lot of different through a lot of different lenses. I, I think the part that's the most difficult for me is just the the, the lack of. Uh, opportunities that our juniors and seniors got the last few years, really all the players in the program lost opportunities because of COVID, things that were out of our control. But, you know, when you look at it, uh, if, you, if you were a junior, senior the last two years and in, in college baseball, you, you really didn't have an experience to speak of uh, that's, that's a normal experience. And so I feel for those kids. Um, they, they worked their whole lives to get to college, play division one baseball. And many of them, their freshman and sophomore years, those are the years where their development years, where they're waiting for an opportunity to play. And most of them play their most games in their junior and senior years. And that hasn't been the case. And uh, so when you look back, uh, you feel for those guys because they, they really didn't have a normal college experience.
0: And your roster, John, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, pretty veteran laden, right? Like you had a bunch of kids in that boat.
4: Yeah, we were different than most of the kids that had old, some older players. You know, we, we had uh, 11, I think, uh, players that uh, were seniors of, of some sort. Um, but they were players that were supposed to gain a lot of experience in 2020. They were guys that, that came into the program, played behind the group we had in 17 and 18, you know, waited for their opportunity, were getting started last year in 2020 to, to, to really ramp up their careers. Um, You really, I think when you're playing division one baseball, big 10 baseball, you need to have 250 at bats. I think of experience to be able to really figure out how to be a consistent performer at this level. You need to pitch, you know, 75 to 80 innings of division one baseball to really get a grasp of it. And many of those guys, you know, you know, uh, didn't have those types of profiles and even though they were seniors and they didn't have a lot of college baseball experience. And when you look back at it, they missed out on a summer season last year, our season last year. Uh, we had a very limited fall practice, got shut down for COVID. They all went home before Thanksgiving, didn't come back till the middle of January. Trying to find places to work out and, and, and prepare for the season were difficult because many of the indoor facilities weren't open. Um, so go down the list. And then those, that group only played 10 games at Seabridge Field over the last two seasons and you throw that in the mix and then we were shut down uh May 2nd or May 3rd for uh you know 18 more days because of covid and then and it felt like you were starting over when you played Purdue on on May 20th and JP Massey he didn't he pitched at Indiana I think uh, the thir- third weekend in, in 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 April and he didn't pitched until again until May 21st so Um, Those types of starts and stops were difficult on the players, hard to get into routine, no midweek games. And I I think that's our games meant to be played more often because timing as a hitter and you get into routines and you pitch on the days you're supposed to pitch and play. And and there was no such thing as a routine here for the last 15, 16 months. And I think uh, if you look at our league, the teams that finished in the top half were the teams that had players that had lots of experience that came back as, fourth-year, fifth-year, sixth-year seniors. And we had some players in the league that were 24 years of age this year that uh, I've never seen before. And I think when you look at the pitching on Friday and Saturday in the league this year, because the teams that had the older talent was was dominant, and uh, um, and th- most of those guys would have been gone uh, last year into in professional baseball. Their careers would have been over. So uh, the teams that really uh, finished at the top, the Nebraskas and the Michigans. Uh, to speak of the Maryland's, the Indiana's, the Iowa's, you know, and then you had unlimited rosters and some of those schools had 45 people on their roster and picked up some transfers because you had an open roster situation. It really complicated things. It was not a normal, what you would see in a college baseball season. And this is going to go on for another two or three years here before this thing really settles down and gets back to somewhat normal. And then the limited draft in 2020, for a lot of guys that were in college baseball, that wouldn't have been. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the 20-round draft plays out this year because I don't think many high school kids are going to get drafted. There's so many older college players that will probably go first. And, uh, and there'll be some college players that normally get drafted again that won't. So the cycle will continue.
0: You brought up Michigan, John. Did I see – I mean, how many grad transfers did Michigan bring on? Or are we talking about a playing well, you know, field remember- that, that- – is imbalanced. Where were you able to bring in? If you wanted to bring in the amount of grad transfers Michigan did, were you able to do that, or is that what we're talking about—the imbalance?
4: Yes. you know, some schools are more. You know, the, the rule was if you had seniors in 2020 that wanted to come back because of COVID, you could uh, offer them the same level of aid they were on in 2020, but it didn't have to come out of your 11.7 scholarships. It didn't have to. It didn't have to count against the 27 counters. And so now you had a situation where in our particular situation, we only had one senior that was Jordan Kozaki and he was going to be a six year senior. He chose to come back. Our institution decided for all sports that if you wanted to bring back a super senior, you had to take them out of your current level of aid. There wasn't going to be additional aid that was going to be allowed. And so uh, were other schools that had eight or 10 in some cases, Iowa, Illinois, some of these schools had eight or 10 seniors that came back, they covered their aid and, made a significant difference in their team. And uh, we didn't, and uh, we had roster limitations. And so we really didn't dip into that pool of players and and bring those kind of kids in. Yeah, Michigan had three guys, uh, starting third baseman at UC Irvine for four years. I was a grad transfer. Uh, he went there, the starting shortstop at Kansas, all big uh, 12 shortstop for four years. He went there and then they had the starting catcher from Stanford for four years that went there and. And uh, I know two of them were on uh, graduate school scholarships. So, again, um, I think when you looked across the league, there were some schools that probably had 18 scholarships, you know, and some had 11.7. And so it's really hard to make comparisons in your team. And some days it felt like it was boys against men just in terms of experience. Some of those guys have been in A ball or double A ball, professional baseball. And uh, But I think you're going to see that trend continue. And I think the talent level in our game is going to be extremely high because of the factors I mentioned.
0: Okay, because of that trend, then, I mean, am I nuts to think, can I make the leap, John, that that your future is tied to some of what you just laid out that you would like that flexibility in your negotiations with Mark Coyle to be able to bring in more players when you say that this trend is going to continue for at least another year, if not multiple years john is that is that part of you know the the overarching you know topic here of your future
4: Well yeah, no, I think uh basically what's uh, happened here. Last year we had unlimited rosters, this year it's 40, it's normally 35. So the NCAA has allowed us to say that we can have 40 players on the roster because of the the, the loaded rosters and the opportunities the kids lost. And, you know, people had you have recruits coming into campus and so on and so forth. So we've been told that we need to be at 37, um, both from a financial perspective and gender equity perspective. So. We're not gonna be at 40. Um, that's gonna have an impact on what we can do from a roster standpoint. We have to release some players off our current roster to get down to the 37 based on the people we recruited. So we have some kids with eligibility remaining, we're just not gonna, they're not gonna be able to come back um, um, at this point in time. And uh, you know, you can get in the transfer portal, but every roster in the country is so full, you're not gonna be many opportunities in power five conferences. Uh, unless you're a grad transfer, you've been a four-year player, you got significant resume, yeah, okay, um, we're surely not going to take that guy off our roster, I can tell you that. Um, but uh, there are some players that are going to have to make choices, unfortunately, and it becomes more of a business than it becomes uh, about uh, amateur athletics and, and, and getting a college degree and some of the things we talk about here becomes a business. And uh, it's, uh, I've never done this in my career. This is really difficult. We have released some players. Uh, From our roster, the eligibility remaining, and uh, process will continue as we go through the summer uh, again. So yeah, it's it's difficult. So we're we're gonna we're gonna we might be able to dabble in there a little bit if we can find find the right mix in the transfer portal. But you know, those guys are in the portal for a reason. You know, they're 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 they're, schools let them go for a reason. So you got to be careful when you dip in there, what you might get involved in. You know, like Michigan did, you can find a four year starter from a you know a power five conference that's a grad transfer that wants to come that you can really have an idea of what their performance level is sure okay we'll take a look at that uh, might be able to take a guy or two like that but uh I don't know how many of those guys are going to be out there this year and, and and I think last year was the year because of the last I think some of those guys will move on but um yeah it's uh you know even in our own league we're gonna have we're not gonna have 40 we're gonna have 37 and Speaking to other coaches in the league, they said they're going to be at 40 unless things change over the summer for them. But, um, you know, this is uh, we're going to have to be really good at, at putting together a 37 man roster and hopefully we can get back to the normal player development time. And, you know, our programs lived on player development. And when you lose opportunities to do that, um, you saw the impact this year and and you have to have experience. How do you get experience? you got to play more games at the division. Our current roster doesn't have a lot of division one experience. Sam Ireland, who got hurt against Iowa in the middle of April, our Friday starter, he's a sophomore. He's going to be a junior in college, and I think he's probably pitched 50 or 60 innings in his career. He's going to be a junior in college. He's got a very good arm. He'll probably be our Friday guy next year, and you know he should be in the 200 innings place uh, by now, and and so that impacts your development. Um, But uh, that's the way it is, and that's what I think makes it so difficult, and that's why you feel so bad for the kids.
0: John, when you talk about navigating the thirty-seven player roster, you know maybe dipping your toes into the into the portal pool. I mean, you're talking like somebody who is going to be back next year. Are you operating as if you are going to be back next year?
4: Yes, I am. That's my intention is to be back. That's my plan. I'm not ready to uh, to leave yet and retire. So that's my plan. You feel more like a GM today than you do a coach, to be honest with you. You feel like you're managing the waiver wire. You're managing your your your, your thirty-seven man. You know, a roster and and trying to find the pieces that fit. We got to manage our scholarships, our eleven point seven scholarships, and and uh, you can have thirty two on aid this year instead of twenty seven. And so you feel like you're a general manager, and more so than you are a coach, just trying to manage the roster and, and, and on a day to day basis, and it changes every single day. And there's uh, oh boy, there's a significant number of players. Uh, there's about 25% of the division one players uh, across the country uh, from programs around the country that are in the, in the portal right now. So there's a significant number of guys in there and I feel for those kids and it's a mess right now. And a lot of those kids are going to get in there and they're going to find out there aren't going to be a lot of opportunities. So then what's going to happen to them? Um, so I really, really feel bad for the kids that uh, they ended up in this position and it's a mess. And uh it's going to impact recruiting going forward. So some people, instead of recruiting high school kids, they're going to recruit out of the portal. So I call it the waiver wire. And mm-hmm. you're also going to see this summer. You're going to see you're going to see schools trade players. I got too many pitchers. You got a shortstop. Let's let's switch. You know you need to go over there because you can play more and you'll have scholarship money for you. I need the shortstop. Um, so again, you feel like you're a general manager. There's there's going to be trades going on, and uh, because people can transfer one time and play right away. So it's a it's it's the wild wild west, and it's going to be an interesting summer to say the least. And the draft's not till a you know third week in July, so kids got to be in the portal by July one. If they're not, then they can't move on, and and the draft comes later. So trying to manage your roster this summer is is going to be an interesting uh, situation.
0: I mean, it's free agency. I mean, you're right, John. I mean, it's you're a general manager. You're talking about trades. It's essentially free agency. I mean, that's that's kind of the way I look at it. Okay, John. So when you say you're operating as if you'll be back next year. Will you sign? So my understanding is Mark has a, a multi-year contract offer on the table for you. Will you sign that here
4: today, tomorrow, pretty quick here? Uh, you're correct. We have been negotiating and talking and there there, there has been an offer um, sent the offer back uh, for some tweak in language that's in that contract. And so it's really uh, not about years. It's not about uh, money. Uh, it's really about some language that's in there that, that pertains to, termination without cause and some of those things and so uh, that's the discussion that's going on right now um, and uh, I'm hopeful that we'll get there sooner rather than later but that's the plan.
0: I mean is it frustrating that it's not done at this point that you were hopeful it'd be done by June 1st?
4: Well um, I'm not frustrated. I I understand. I mean we both have to take a position here and, and I have to look out for myself and our program and the university's got to look out for their interests here, and. And uh, so I understand the process and uh, uh, it's a challenging time. Uh, everybody's trying to protect themselves from the standpoint of uh, the future f- uh, financial challenges that are coming up and some of the other things. So I, I understand it's, it's, it's a business deal and it's, it's, it's part of the process of going forward. And, and uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm not open to say I'm frustrated. Um, I'd like to reach a deal, but I'm not gonna sign a deal that I don't think is in the best interest of the program. Uh, or, or me to be an effective leader here and, and take the program forward. And, and so I'm not going to sign a contract that I don't feel comfortable with uh, in terms of, 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 of it's really about the program. It's not so much about me. And, uh, and when we get to that point, then we'll sign the contract. But well, we're not there yet.
0: How much does your 2021 recruiting class excite you? Like I was watching some video of, of the pitcher from Colorado. Man alive, John, like that arm is lively.
4: Yeah, well, uh, we really like the group we have. And there's, there's, some, there's, there's some pitching help on the way we believe in there. No question about it. Our top recruit last year, George Clausen, was in the perfect game, uh, high school all-star game in San Diego. And unfortunately, here's his arm and had Tommy John surgery uh, this, this spring. Um, and he, we anticipate we'll get him back at some point. He's got an electric arm. Um, and I think there's some guys currently in the program that are young that I think are going to make the next step for us. Jack Liffrig, uh, he had Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago, started at Utah, transferred here. He was our our, our best weekend starter. Uh, I think if Sam would have stayed healthy and, and, and Liffrig came along, I think we could have been more competitive on a weekend with those two guys, at least on Friday and Saturday. When we lost uh, Sam, it really created a space for us. We didn't really have room for uh, injury like that. And uh, so, I you know, I think Liffrig will continue to develop and has a chance to be an outstanding pitcher in this league. and. I think there's some guys on the roster that can help us. I'm especially excited about some of the freshmen coming in here. Much easier for pitchers to help you early on in their careers than position players. Uh, They only have to do one thing, and that's being able to throw strikes and throw some competitive pitches up there. And position players, there's a lot to it defensively, offensively, base running, a lot of things that go into that. That tends to take longer. Uh, Getting division one at bats are really critical. So I think we'll have some help on the on the pitching staff. And Alec Willis, the kid you're referring to from 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 Denver, um, we just hope he doesn't get drafted and signed. That's going to be the challenge going forward. He's been touching 96, 97, um, you know, and uh, we really like him. He's a great student. Stanford recruited him, a number of schools across the country recruited him. And we really, really think he can step in and, and be a factor in the first year. So uh, yeah, there's some help on the way. And I think we have a roster here. We just need, we need to play this summer. We need to have a normal fall. You know, we got to get kids back in the weight room on a consistent basis and they got to get stronger and all the things you haven't been able to do for the last 15 months.
0: Any other guys that you fear of, of losing to the professional ranks or is he number one draft. on that list?
4: The only potential draft for us is Zach Robbie. He's the only guy I think potentially will get a chance to, to, to get drafted here. I don't know in a 20-round draft um, and the number of players out there that are fourth, fifth and sixth year seniors. And the talent level that I've seen across the country, I and mean, it's going to make it harder for Zach, unfortunately, because it's not a normal year, and there's a lot more players draft eligible with what I would say a pretty good talent um, that's going to impact him. And so, whether he's going to get drafted in a round or he's willing to leave college, um, I think that you know that's not a for sure thing. So uh, it'll be interesting. Again, it's just you need one team to like you more than anybody else and push you up in the draft, but. Uh, um, you know, we'll wait and see where he gets drafted. and If he gets drafted and then whether they can meet the price that he's looking for to leave college. And so uh, obviously we would love to have Zach back, but I'll support him and hope he gets the opportunities looking for, but it's hard to predict what's going to happen because we've never seen a draft like this um, in the history of my time in college baseball. So I don't know what to expect uh, in terms of of what's going to happen with somebody like Zach.
0: Where would you say, like, the state of of the game is at? Not necessarily the professional ranks. Maybe, you know, high school on down, youth. I mean, it seems like, you know, a lot more kids are playing lacrosse over baseball. But then, like, I was over at Moundsview High School a few weeks ago. I mean, you know this probably. They have a catcher going to Arizona State. They have a shortstop going to Texas A&M. Like, and it's probably hard to get those kids, right? Like, if they have a chance to go play in the SEC or the Pac-12, it's going to be hard to win those recruiting battles. So, like, just overall, though, like, where, where do you see the, the state of the game from, you know, the high school ranks on down?
4: I think our game in Minnesota is strong, uh, as you just mentioned. I think there's uh, more Division One players uh, coming out of our state than there has been historically. I think you're, you mentioned some people that are in that space. Yeah, when you recruit against schools from the Sun Belt and places like that and the facilities that they have and some of the things that go on there, you're not going to win all those battles. And, and so we understand that and know that in some cases, some of those kids, you don't, you don't, you, you have somebody at those positions. And so you can't recruit another guy at that position. Uh, you, you, need, you need somebody at a different position. So that comes into play here to some degree. Um, and, and again, um, we're not going to get all the best players out of Minnesota any longer. That's not going to happen. You know, the, the kids uh, with the internet and television and the growth of our game uh, and, and, and traveling baseball and showcases, there's, everybody knows I get on my computer and I can look up all the best players in America if I want to, uh, at any position. So there's no secrets anymore. And Arizona state's not coming to Minnesota to watch a high school game. They're seeing these kids on their traveling teams in the summer showcases where they can go and watch hundreds of players at the same time. So recruiting's changed from that standpoint as well. And, um, you know, um, so I understand, but I think our game's in good shape. I think the college game is just continues to grow and get better and, and continues to, 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 to uh, I think uh, that the talent growth at, at the college level is incredible. Um, there's more facilities. Florida just opened up like an 80 or 90 million dollar facility. Oklahoma State built a 70 million dollar stadium last year, and it just it goes on and on and on. And, and so that tells you where the game's at. And, uh, in some of those cases, again, scholarships, the uneven uh, scholarship things because of institutional aid or some states have lottery scholarships for different things so it's never apples to apples and it's 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 uh, always uh, some of the schools that traditionally are strong like the Vanderbilt's a private school that has all kinds of institutional and need-based aid and they probably have 25 or 28 full scholarships on the roster that's not countable by NCAA standards so uh, you're going to lose some kids too just because you you get out aided you can't compete uh, on an aid basis because they have more money to operate with than you do. So um, that's part of it. You can't complain about it It's part of our game. You got to, that's why player development's critical for us. We have to find kids that want to be here and, and, and trust that we can help develop them and, and get lucky and get a Max Meyer once in a while. He wasn't recruited by many people around the country, hardly any. And, uh, you know, we liked him and thought we could make him into something special. And those are the kind of guys that are going to be in our program, but we have to have consistent player development time, both in terms of practice and games if we're going to have a, a, a team that can compete nationally, and that's what we're hoping for going forward here.
0: I'll hit you with two more. I always appreciate your time, John. Now that 40 years as, as the leader of the program is in the books, just what, what does that mean to you, that, that magical number 40? And, and hopefully it's 41, 42, and beyond.
4: Well, you wonder where the time went. It we went pretty fast, I can tell you that. I mean, you, know, you look at it and go, how did we get here? Um, but I think in this business, you're always preparing for the next thing. You know, the next game, the next practice, the next recruiting situation, you know, next whatever. So you just tend to keep moving your feet. Uh, the good thing about the only good thing about the pandemic for me, a chance to reflect a little bit. Uh, I think it was a good time for me to have an opportunity to take a look and see if I want to keep going and and uh, and reflect back on my career and, and, and take a look at uh, whether I want to continue this journey. So I, I think that's brought me to the space I'm in right now that I want to keep going. But um you know, I uh, uh, it's 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 hard to throw your arms around. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, I don't think there's going to be many guys that are going to coach the game for 40 years anymore. I can tell you that. So, um, and uh, it's been an, an honor and a blessing. And I'm just grateful for all the coach, great coaches I've had work with me, and the players that I've been able to coach, and, and and relationships we've been able to develop. I'm I'm grateful for that, and I'm a blessed man, and and uh, it's been a, a wonderful career uh, from. Many uh, standpoints in many places, so uh, uh, I'm very, very fortunate, and uh, I, I hope to continue on. I want to get our program back on the tracks here, and going in the right direction, and uh, and and get back to playing Minnesota baseball like that we're all used to around here, and uh, uh, that's my goal going forward. And as I've told everyone, recruits or anybody that's asked, I'm going to stay as long as I feel like I can make a difference. I can have the energy and the passion to impact the kids' experience in a positive way, and. When I wake up one day and I just feel like I, my heart's not in it, I don't have the passion and energy any longer, uh, then I'll leave. And I'll know when that time comes. I've seen guys stay too long and it's not pretty. I don't, I'm not going to be one of those guys. So I still think I have something to offer and I think I can make an impact here, but uh, there's no timetable. And uh, I don't think anybody in America can tell you how long they're going to coach or how long they're going to be at one school. Because it look, look, there's already coaches getting fired and leaving programs. There's a whole bunch of good jobs open right now. And so... You know, coaches can tell you I got a five year contract doesn't mean they're going to be there five years. Um, You know, lots of things can happen. So, again, um, I just uh, that's that's my position on how long I'm going to coach and don't know what the timetable is going to be for that. But I'll know when the time's right.
0: On those job openings, if your phone rang, would you listen or is it Minnesota or nothing?
4: I don't think that somebody's gonna probably come after somebody who's 66 right now in some of those jobs, but you never know. I never know, John. I mean, weird things happen. You always always listen. You would listen. You know, why wouldn't you listen? And uh, not because I don't love Minnesota, but uh, I think you got to look out. And there's an opportunity that uh, you know uh, enlightens you or you're interested in. Sure, you have a conversation. Why wouldn't you? Anybody would. Um, But uh, I think the likelihood of that happening is probably small. Uh, I'm not, I'm not out there actively, uh, you know, trying to find a new job. That's not where I'm at right now. Um, but if somebody called me and said, we "Want to have a conversation about a job. I'd surely have a conversation and, uh, see where they were headed. And maybe somebody who wanted to bring in an experienced coach to rewrite their, you know, get their program going in a different direction and bring in an assistant who would who'd be the next head coach for succession planning, something of that nature. Um, sure. I would listen to something like that, but, uh, Uh, Like I said, I think there's a small chance of that happening.
0: So in summation, I'll leave you with this, John. So Mark needs to get back to you, or do you have somebody representing you? Do you have an agent?
4: Um, And uh, uh, we we made a a counter to the last offer last Friday. So um, uh, the volley went back over the net to them, and we're waiting for a response on uh, some requests that we made uh, in terms of language. Um, And uh, so we're waiting back for a response from them on that.
0: I mean, it shouldn't be that much longer, right? I mean, I get it holiday weekend, but now that it's Wednesday, I mean, hopefully pretty quick here to get back to you, right?
4: I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. Um, But uh, again, um, I'll just wait and see when when we hear back. And I think, uh, you know, I think we're at a point right now, I've been firm all along about the points that we're uh, in disagreement on. That's been my position from the beginning. It's not something that just necessarily came up. So, um, it's been my position all along, and I think it's been back and forth and try to see, you know, who's going to give in first, maybe. But uh, uh, my position has been, been the same all the way along. And so um, we'll have to wait and see if, if, uh, whether they're going to uh, honor that, that request in terms of the contract language or, or not. And I, like I said, it, that's, that's up to them and, and, and their decision and how they want to structure the contract from a language standpoint, that the things that are really important to me right now at this stage of my career.
0: But you're not giving in when you say maybe a side gives in. You're not giving in, right? Am I? Am I safe in saying There's that?
4: There's a couple of points that I'm you know, I'm certain I'm not going to give in on, and uh, and and that's my choice. And I, I I think if I did, I think I'd be doing a disservice to the program, long term, and our alumni and 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 our supporters and people are connected with it. So um, I don't think that they would want to see that language in, in in that my contract either. So.
0: John, wishing you all the best. I know I speak for many. You're a Minnesota baseball legend. I hope you guys can figure this out. Like, I know I speak for many, like, you can't leave us, John. And I get it. You got to do what's right for you and and for the program as a whole. But like, John, you can't leave us.
4: That's the goal, right? I told you that's my intention. I know. I know. uh, Like, again, I said, uh, you know, uh, that's my intention. And you know, it's uh, my whole life, uh, my whole career has been centered in one place. I've been going to that university for 47 years. So um, it's a big part of our family and who I am. And and uh, obviously, I would like to leave on, on my own terms uh, when the time's right and, and hopefully be involved and, and help and pick the successor going forward. Um, but again, like I said, I, you know, uh, I'm only half of the equation here. And so we have to find agreement, and I'm, I'm hopeful we will.
0: John, thank you as always. I appreciate your transparency, and I'll certainly stay in touch, okay?
4: All right, Darren. Thank you.
0: I wish John all the best. I'm not lying when I suggest he is a Minnesota baseball icon. He is legendary. He is iconic. John Anderson is Minnesota baseball, so I hope that he is back for a 41st year. Plus, this recruiting class, like this kid from Denver, Alec Willis, I texted – a Major League Baseball source on this Willis kid, loves him. It's not a twin source, a different team, but like he's squarely in the mix on this team's draft board. Like This Willis kid could go high enough where he gets a seven-figure signing bonus where he never steps foot on Minnesota's campus. But if he does, he should help out the rotation next season, even as a true freshman. So John Anderson has a good recruiting class coming in. Hopefully he can rebuild this thing. All right, we are done. This will wrap up Scoop Podcast episode 353 on this Sunday, the 6th of June. The year is 2021. Always appreciate you listening. Shameless plug, you know, real-time live scoops. I do put many of those on Twitter, at kstp. I also have the scoop in video form on Channel 5 Thursday nights during the 6.30 portion of our 6 o'clock newscast. So Sports Hits on Channel 5 at 6.50. So 6.50 on Thursday nights, I bring you the scoop in video form. So always appreciate you listening, watching, and or following. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe. Stay sane. At the Home Depot, we have Black Friday savings all through November. And with that comes a joyful holiday bustle that we just love to hear. Although we also love the sound that comes after the holidays, when people put their new tools to use. In fact, we love it so much, when you buy select Milwaukee M18 kits, you'll get an extra tool for free. So after you're done filling the air with holiday magic, you can fill it with the sounds of doing. The Home Depot, how doers get more done on the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to recommend the best products for your vehicle and budget. Get maximum cooling system performance for 10 years or 300,000 miles with Peak Long Life Universal Premixed Antifreeze and Coolant. Now just $3.99 after mail-in rebate.
4: Limit supply. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit OReillyAuto.com. O, oh, O, oh, O, oh,
0: O'Reilly Auto Parts.